Hello, and welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Game and their Dogs. It is day 256 here in the Zen Room, episode 92. My name is Patrick Finn, and I am here with the ubiquitous Tommy Gibbons. Hi, bitches. How are you tonight, Tommy? I'm okay. Hold on, hold on. Uh-oh, why? I didn't pre-pour my wine. Oh, my God. So uh, That's I, like sacrilege. I could just, like, move my glass to the table. All right, so, the, hi. Uh, yeah, nothing. <laughs> Everything's the same. Okay. You know. Is that good or bad? Well, it's the um, onward march toward death. <laughs> yes, we're starting on a happy note here tonight. I'm saying that's what's happening. That's what's going on. <laughs> With that, we're going to segue to welcoming our guest, and returning guest, actually, and friend, and grumpy old gay man himself, Mr. John J. Steele Jr. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and how are you tonight, John? I'm feeling fine. I'm in the Zen room. <laughs> See, of course you're feeling good then. I'm feeling fine. And before we go on, we just want to send our condolences to the people of Morocco and Libya. Yes. Where thousands have died due to an earthquake in Morocco and a mass flooding in Libya. That's awful. Awful, just awful. So, if you feel like you want to help, contact the appropriate relief agencies and make a donation. Okay, go do that. Yeah. So, did you do anything exciting this past week, Tommy? Uh, no. Didn't you have rehearsals this week? I had rehearsals. I, uh, what are you in rehearsals for, Tommy? I'm, uh, I'm Patrick. <laughs> yes? How'd you like to get kicked in the sack, Patrick? <laughs> I'm trying to feed you here so you can... <laughs> Promote your production. Okay, so it's called Whose Wife Is It Anyway? And it opens on September 29th at the Manus Studio Theater on Wellwood Avenue in Lindenhurst. It's the madcap story of of a British minister of the, he's a House of Ministers. He's, a, he's a, one of the representatives there. Uh, worker from Parliament, you mean? Parliament, members of Parliament. And um, he's trying to have an affair with a young typist. And they are in this hotel room in London, and hilarity ensues. Sounds fun. It's a farce. It's all that ridiculousness. It's all the craziness. It's all the pace. Cool. This one lacks the slamming doors, though. No slamming doors. No, there are slamming doors, but it. it I mean, it, I was the, I was in the British farce. In fact, the name of it now. There were no slamming doors in it, really. Not all element. farces it, have know, slamming doors. They don't all have to have the same elements, but it's among the elements that people help expect. identify. Yes, it. people expect it. So yeah, yeah. Did you have any other type of type of slamming going on during the production? This production? Yes. There's a lot of uh, innuendo. In your who? That's the Italian <laughs> suppository. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, so they, um, uh, what was the question? I don't remember now. Good. Oh, we're going to have a fun night. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, we've been in rehearsals, too. John's directing me and uh, Teddy Plazia in a production of the John Logan play Red, which is opening next weekend on the 22nd, on a Friday. Oh, you open the week before I do. Yes, we do. Okay. Which would actually give you an opportunity to come see our yeah, play. It would give you the opportunity to come see Because you have not seen one of my plays it's in been, a dog's age. Been, oh, well, we do, this, we do it at the same time. Well, my the plays I do run a week longer. This is true. But I think the last play you saw me in was Harold Pinter's The Bird. Birthday party, at which you said afterwards, 
What the fuck was that about? <laughs> did, I ever say, did I ever say anything about I will never come see you in a play again? I don't, I don't recall you saying that. No. I don't think you would say that. No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. You'll just never go see a Pinter play I, I will not go see another Pinter play. <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah. What? No, but this weekend, and as part of our inspiration, because the play Red is about the artist Mark Rothko, the abstract expressionist. Okay. So this weekend, me, Stephen, John, and Teddy took a trip into Manhattan to the MoMA. MoMA! Museum of Modern Art. Lovely. Where we saw a whole room of Rothkos. Lovely. Yeah, that was really, it was very inspirational to see that. Very nice. And I'll tell you, at the scene that I sent this on Facebook, I posted this as like, no photograph can capture the beauty of seeing an actual painting. Right. Of course. I, I, especially when I saw the Jackson Pollocks there, just to see the textures and the well, details. Yeah, I, I mean, you can see the effort that was made in putting into yeah, these paintings. Yeah. A picture just flattens everything Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't capture any of that. Yeah. So if you ever get a chance, go to an art museum. You'll be amazed at what you see there. You really will be. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. Stuff I've never seen. I ne had never seen a dolly. Oh, you never saw a Salvador dolly before? No. Oh, wow. Other than pictures. And, pictures and yeah, they because they had the persistence of memory there. The one okay. with the uh, melting the watches. Melting clocks, yeah. And, which actually is a much smaller painting than you would think, yes. right? Yes. It's You would think it's a big picture, but it's not. It's actually quite small. Well, the one that I liked most was the 3D one that he had there. You... Didn't see it. Oh, I think I missed that. I, missed I tried to catch it before you got into the other room, and I said, oh, shit, he didn't see it. What fascinated me there was the Marilyn Monroe by Andy Warhol, because I was, like, looking at it and staring at it. And the more I looked at it, especially the eyes, the more distorted she looked yeah. in the image. It was it was like, wow, I had never seen that before. Because you don't get that in a picture, you know? You got to see it up close. I didn't realize how small it really was yeah i thought it was that was another one that i thought would be bigger but no that was another I small mean, the one. frame was huge yeah but the picture itself it's just her solitary headshot basically done up in various colors and yeah it's quite an it's quite a fascinating portrait that was a good day good yeah for it, you guys yeah it really was we were very glad we did that shit you live 45 minutes in the greatest city on the fucking planet. Well, it was an expensive trip. Well, I gotta say that, number one, I can't believe how expensive it is now to get into these art museums. We had a choice to go to three museums. It was MoMA, the Met, and the Whitney. MoMA was the cheapest at $25 to enter, 18 for senior citizens. The Met and Whitney... $30 admission, 25 for seniors. I remember when these museums were basically, like, free? <laughs> I think uh, Modern History. Is that the one that's by... Uh, yeah, by that's, up, that's Uptown Moore. Well, it's up by Central Park Moore yeah, in the uh, 80s. Um, I think that's a that's a pay-as-you-can. That still has I, the donation? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't been there in a long time either. That but place, I was I that just, places you can't do that place in one. But I was just shocked the art museums, the art museums, how expensive it was to get in these places. Yeah, and that was pretty well packed. Yeah, it was. It was packed that day. Oh my god! I mean, I was even looking at there's a museum now there in the Broadway area called the Museum of Broadway. Thirty dollars to get in, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like. This is just, I was looking at pictures online of it. I was like, this is just a tourist trap. This is just a money-making tourist trap. It's like, don't even, why waste your money, you know? Well, isn't the um, MoMA just the same thing for rich people? Could be. Could be. But it's open 
to the whole public, of course. Well, so it's for rich people. But yeah, you can, I mean, you can see who donated the artwork. Yes. And, right, right, right. right. Yeah, so, okay. And, you know, wings for special people and, you know, a whole nine yards. Yeah, right, of uh, course. This is the Lewis B. Lewis Lewiston room. Yes, whatever. Yeah, right. Those are benefactors. Those are like millions of dollar donations. Yep. We saw some great. We saw Monet's water lilies. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, it doesn't seem expensive. Thirty dollars doesn't seem expensive to me for the experience that you had, seeing what you wanted to see, getting yeah. the inspiration you yeah. wanted to. Yeah. Yes, that was the only price we had to pay. You had to pay for the train. Yeah, yeah the train and unfortunately, subway. We had a downpour, and so we had to buy. Yeah, umbrellas. yeah. I spent forty six dollars on a sweatshirt because it was a monsoon outside. Okay. Yeah, that's being more than we intended. But Those particulars. It was worth every penny. We that's what I'm saying. Time. Like, if you take all of that aside, not everybody who's going to go to MoMA is going to have to buy a $49 sweatshirt. No, the way this is true. Of the weather. I know. That was my awful for not planning ahead. No, what I'm saying is the... the, the <laughs> Shame on you. Shame on me. The uh, experiences are individual. Yes. Generally, you're all going to pay $30 to get into the MoMA. Okay, I don't think that's too expensive for the experience you said you had. In the MoMA. I I disagree. I think these museums should be open to the public, you know? They don't take any public money. Well, they do take public yes, money. Yes, they do take public money. <laughs> yes, they, yeah, do. they do. take public money. Yeah. I mean, it's there. The world, people should see this art. They should be able to see it for free. So they can write their names on it like they do in the Coliseum oh, in 5,000-year-old brick. Right, right. Did you believe that? Yeah. An American did that, of course. No, it wasn't. And that American. was another thing at the museum. that. Was it a Brit? It was a Brit, and they caught somebody, Italy caught somebody doing something similar. Well, that was another thing at the museum that kind of bugged me, was seeing people who spent more time taking pictures of the artwork instead of sitting there and looking at it and enjoying the viewing experience of it. They just, oh, it's a famous painting. Let me get a picture of it. Okay, next on. Let's move on. You're in the wrong place, honey, if that's what you're doing. And give you the eye roll if you happen to walk in front of them because you want to see the... Yeah. um, Because I went up close to a lot of these paintings. I really did. I I wanted to see everything about them, you know? I think it's interesting... Especially the Rothkos. That you get so bothered by a private, personal thing that somebody does that affects nobody in any way... I think they're missing out on the experience by just looking at it through a lens. I know what you're saying. I know what you you're know? saying. I don't disagree. I, what I'm saying is I'm interested in how riled up you got about it. Because they're missing out on the actual viewing experience. What do you care? Because it should be appreciated. You know? That's what it's there for, to be appreciated. So it ruins your... You're going to ruin your appreciation, your appreciation of it by recognizing their lack of appreciation for it. Uh, I, am disappoint- I am disappointed in their frustration at their lack of appreciation. Of I think I've made my point clear. Because <laughs> the LIR, the double R now. And that's cool because it puts you on the other side of town. Yes. Anyway. We were almost going to do about the trip actually would have been longer. Because we would have had okay. to wait in Jamaica for the connecting train. That's an issue. That's yeah. Smooth. It would have been like another 20 minutes longer if we had waited. For the connecting train. But instead, oh. we just took a subway up and then you know, just walked two or three blocks well, over. Well, well, that's how or, it's or swam. Well, or swam, as it was <laughs> in that freaking monsoon we were in. Oh, my God. It's but, a miserable place to be in weather like that. The city is a miserable place. Yeah, to it be is. It definitely is. In that type of weather. Snow, too. But that kind of heavy, relentless rain is just... And that's what it was. Oh, yeah. Brutal. Anyway, I guess we'll move on to our first segment of the evening. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
guess it's time for a little heavy petting. Can I ask you to play that again on cue? Why? Because I would like to, to ask John to listen for something specific. Oh. And see if he hears what I'm hearing. Okay. I'll After play the second smooch. The next one that comes in, I maintain, sounds like some sort of bad robotic uh, electronic sound. Okay? I'll, pl- I'll play it again. Play it again. After the second smooch. It's a it's an audio medium, John. <laughs> uh, you're nodding your head enthusiastically. That you hear on the science fiction movies. Thank you. I forget the name of the instrument that's used for it. Yeah, the, the Star Trek instrument. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Okay, so you totally heard it. Okay, I'm sorry. What's the, about the dogs today? Uh, well, today it's a. We start with a sad story today. It's about a dog named Zeus. I know this story. Do you know this story? I think I know this story. This is Zeus, Prince of Denmark. Zeus was a great Dane. Great Dane. And in twenty twenty two. He was designated by the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's tallest living dog at 3 feet (laughs) 4.18 inches tall. Wow. But sadly, the dog died. What had happened was he developed bone cancer, which was not surprising considering the legs on that dog. And they had brought the dog in for an amputation of its right front leg which they did. That was performed on September 7th, but then it developed pneumonia, and, and they gave it by antibiotics, it didn't help, and the dog ended up dying yesterday. How old? Three, only three years only three. old. That's young, well, that's young for Only three. But that dog, that dog had an eight-year life expectancy tops. Like, those dogs don't live very long because of all of the generic g- genetic things that come with being an animal that size. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, here's I the other picture. Look at him. This is did the you dog. have one? I had one when I lived in Watertown. We had we got him as a pup. His name was Eric. He okay. Was, he was uh, silver. Okay. Doppled. Great game. Wonderful disposition. Yeah. We left him home one day for just a couple of hours. We had to run and do some errands and stuff. And we got back home, and our <coughs> living room sofa was all over the house. Yeah. So we decided uh, this was not a good Fit. match for us okay. at this time. We had him for quite a while, so we had been training him and whatnot. Two years later, I'm working in a, as a security guard. <clears throat> One of the guys that comes to replace me says, says, I'll be right back. I got to take the dog for a quick walk, and then I'll come, come in and take a place. And out of his car comes this silver Great Dane. I said, was Where did it, you get hit? Was it was it Eric? It was Eric. That's funny. I said, sit. And he sat, and he gave me his paw, and he says, the guy that owned him now said, I didn't show him how to do that. I oh. said, no, we, we did years ago. <laughs> wow. No. That's my great game story. Okay. Uh, well, here's well, it a, wasn't so sad. Here's a picture of Zeus standing on his hind legs. Look how tall he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah that's just amazing. Taller than a fence, for God's sake. So, yeah. yeah, so rest in peace, Zeus. Good old Zeus. Yeah. I think Eric is a good name for uh, Eric the Great Dane. Eric, Eric the Great Dane. <laughs> Hamlet is the obvious one. Yes, that's true too. Oh, who was the guy who hid behind the curtain and died? Polonius. Polonius. Oh my God! <laughs> First, means- I was like, "Are we still in Hamlet here? Or are we somewhere else?" <laughs> All right, it's not the Wizard of Oz. We're still in Shakespeare. It was Polonius. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That be... had me. I, I, I was lost. That'd be a good name for a, a great day. I didn't like that. Anyway, we now move on to our Dictionary of Dawes, our canine oh. compendium. And we are up to the letter J this week. J, Jack Russell Terrier that we did last time. We did time. that the last time. Um, uh, this one comes from Germany. Okay, hold on, hold on. Uh, Jergen Dog. Uh, Jer- uh, uh, J. Jungmeister Dog. <laughs> J- uh, Jungmeister Dog. Yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, J- 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 the Jägermeister Dog. The Jägermeister. <laughs> you can only take him in shots. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, what is it? It is called the Yachteria. Uh, that was Yak. No. That's spelled J-A-G-D-T-E-R-R-I-E-R, but pronounced Yachteria. And this is a picture of the Yachteria. All right. It originated in Germany. It was developed as part of a massive breeding program between the two world wars. Could you imagine the Germans doing such a thing? <laughs> fucking with genetics and dogs. Go ahead. Well, this happened at a time because between the two world wars, of course, there was a growing national German nationalism, and part of that was they wanted to breed They're German dogs. dogs, especially dogs that were thought to be extinct, and they wanted to revive them again. And this, this would these these yachterias became part of that program. He, I would say that he looks part Doberman. The face, Just right? by his Snow. markings. It's snow, yeah. But it is uh, generally black and tan, but it can also come in chocolate, liver brown with white markings. It is 13 to 16 inches tall and weighs between 20 to 22 pounds. Its coat can either be hairy, smooth, or broken. I'm not sure what broken means. Not either. They were developed to be all-around hunting dogs. They were of, often used to hunt uh, quarry that went underground, like badgers, foxes, and raccoons. But they were also used to drive wild boar and ticket uh, rabbits out of thickets, and also uh, track wounded animals. They're considered very intelligent and very adaptable. They make good pets, but it should remember they're primarily a hunting dog with a strong prey drive. He smells something there. Right? <laughs> Look at that puppy. Oh, very sweet. That's adorable. Very terrier looking there. Too adorable. I'm stuck on um, thicket. I'm trying to get the line from... Into the woods? Into the woods. Was it thick, the thickest? I fell into a thicket. Was it thick, the thickest? A stick. Just use a stick. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah, that was... Steer back cook. in. Back in. Roll back in. Roll it back. <laughs> Now move on to our next segment. Happy birthday. Many happy returns. It's time for today's birthdays. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> and of course we have two birthdays to mark are here. Are they living or are they no, dead? No, they're both dead. Uh, John, I don't even ask. <laughs> I know, that's why I did. Yeah. One of them I'm celebrating because of you, John, because I think you were there when this incident happened. Oh, Okay. This is a singer. He was uh, born September 13th, 1918 in Argentina. Is this the one about John? Yes. His mother was Irish and his father was of English descent, and they later moved to the U.S. He later became one of the most popular male vocalists of the 1940s and early 1950s. He was married six times and had a total of six kids. Prolific guy, I'd say. I guess. He died of lung cancer in Los Angeles at the age of 61. That was in 1980. But in 1940, he recorded this song. Cool. 
master painter from the faraway hills Painted the violets and the daffodils He put the purple in the twilight haze Then did a rainbow for the rainy days Dreamed up the murals on the blue summer skies Painted the devil in my darling's eyes Captured the dreamer with a thousand thrills The old master painter from the faraway hills Old Master Painter. <laughs> of course. The singer's name is Dick Haynes. Okay. I celebrated because one time John was in the car with me and Stephen, and we had been smoking. <laughs> and we had on the serious uh, stations, and we had on the 40s, 1940s junction. And this song came on. It's called The Old Master Painter. Yes. Well, to us, it sounded like The Old Master Bader. <laughs> We're like... Is that what he's singing? The old masturbator from the faraway hills? That's what they wanted you to think. <laughs> I don't think, I I think you're right. I don't think it was a mistake. No, it wasn't. They meant to do that. <laughs> so they had to. Somebody along the line must have must have. They had to mocked it to them. I mean, I mean you listen to the other lyrics and, and you see. It is about painting, but... But, yes. <laughs> but come on. The, the old master painter. painter. So that's why we're observing his birthday today. Uh, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Dick Ames. Happy birthday! We now move on to our next birthday celebrant. He was born September 13th, 1925 in Chicago. He was a musical prodigy and first performed professionally as a singer at the age of four. He played drums in elementary school, and from age 8 to 15, he performed in various radio programs. He wrote his first song at 13. Are we supposed to guess if we think we know? Yes. yes. We, yep. Wait, wait, wait. Nope. No. Okay. At the age of 16, he, his first published song, Lament to Love, became a hit for band leader Harry James. From 1942 to 1943, he was a member of a band led by Chico Marx of the Marx Brothers. He was the band's singer, drummer, and also did some of the arrangements. In 1943, he made his film debut in Frank Sinatra's first film, the musical Higher and Higher. But it was his 1947 film musical Good News that made this man a teen idol. Any guesses yet? No. No. In 1945, he composed this song that became a hit later on for Nat King Cole. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos that, of course, is the Christmas song, also known as Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. He wrote the music and co-wrote the lyrics for the song. He served in the Army from 1945 to 46, and in 1947, he began a solo career at the Copacabana. He was given the nickname The Velvet Fog by local disc jockey oh, Fred no. Robbins. What's his name? It's Mel Torme. Mel Torme. He recorded 34 studio albums from 1954 to 1999. He was nominated 14 times for Grammys and won Best Jazz Male Vocal Performance in 1983 and 1984. In 1999, the Grammys awarded him a Lifetime Achievement Award. This song I'm playing now is his only number one song called Careless Hands. <laughs> 
into callous hands. Callous hands. His number, only number one hit, apparently. This was a hit? Yes. Held my dream. On what shark? <laughs> like worthless dreams of sand. U.S. charts. Careless hands. Don't care oh, when dreams slip through. That was from 1949. That's even before me. But he was married four times, divorced three times. He had five children and two stepchildren. In 1996, he suffered a stroke, which ended his singing career. And then he died from another stroke on June 5th, 1999, at the age of 73. Okay. Yeah. Mel so, Torme. To Mel Torme. Not like I disliked him, but I was never a fan. What was not to like? Uh, he's weird. He's weird. Why is he he's weird? Just weird? What what's weird about him? He's just weird. His face is weird. His body is weird. He's just weird. <laughs> I hear ya. He's he's weird, right? He's weird. weird. See him on the Carol Burnett show. Uh, no, no, he keeps me away from seeing things. <laughs> like Kevin Bacon. Oh, okay. Oh no. But well to Mel Torme we say Happy birthday, Mel. He looked like a fun guy. Yes, I'm sure he was. Well, normally we would do our next segment, Bring Out Your Dead, but no one died this week. Well, no one that we any of us would know died this week. That is... No big names. So, with that in mind, we will move on to our next segment. Today in history! Patrick and the Coconuts. And today in history, today on September 13th, 1899, 1899, okay. this was the first time that a pedestrian was killed by a motor vehicle in the United States. It occurred at West 74th Street and Central Park West in Manhattan. Henry Hale Bliss, a 69-year-old real estate dealer, was getting off of the southbound 8th Avenue trolley car when he was struck by the driver of a taxi cab. He hit the pavement, crushing his head and chest. He was taken by ambulance to hospital, but the surgeon said his injuries were too severe to survive, and he died the following morning. The driver of the taxi cab claimed that a large truck occupied the right side of the avenue, making it necessary for him to drive closer to the trolley car. He was arrested and charged with manslaughter, but was later acquitted, on the grounds that he had no malice, nor that he was negligent. But on September 13th, 1999, a plaque was dedicated at the site. Oh, really? So you can actually go to West 74th Street and Central Park West and see the plaque dedicated to <coughs> Henry Hale Bliss, the first pedestrian motor vehicle fatality. Do we know the driver's name? Yes, his name was Arthur Smith. Arthur oh, Smith. That sounds yes. made up. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds made up. Does it now? Who had six heard months later was the first uh, lawsuit? For yeah, <laughs> right. That's exactly right. <laughs> anyway, let me see if you can guess this one. Tonight, in 1977, this show premiered on ABC. Let's see if you can figure out what show it is. Soap. Soap. Soap is correct. Is that the picture of soap? That's a picture the of the cast yeah, of soap. Okay. So, all right. It ran from 1977 until 1981. 
It was a parody of daytime soap operas. It featured plot lines and included extramarital infidelity, murder, kidnapping, alien abduction, demonic possession, amnesia, cults, organized crime, teacher-student relationships, and a communist revolution. No mention of the gay guy? <laughs> well, I was going to mention him next. This was one of the first prominent and, and sympathetic gay characters on TV was Jody Dallas, played by Billy Crystal. Crystal. Now, you can see in the first season that the writers didn't know a whole lot about being gay because originally, well, his character was having an affair with a closeted football player. And he wanted to. They wanted to get married. So Billy Crystal said he was going to change into a woman so they could get legally married. Right. It's like no, it doesn't. Being gay doesn't quite work that way. But as the year, as the show progressed, they learned a little bit better. Yes. But I'm going to play one clip for the show, which is very, very funny. It's with Jody, uh, with Billy Crystal and Catherine Helmond, okay. in which he discusses being gay with her character Jessica Tate. So let me pull that. Well, off. Jody. So you're going to get married, huh? Yeah, it uh, looks that way. Isn't that nice? Yeah. I guess that means you're not gay. No, Aunt Jessica, it doesn't. Hmm. You know, Jody, when we were younger, there was no such thing as homosexuals. Yes, there were, Aunt Jessica. The homosexuals go way back in history. Who? Alexander the Great was gay. Uh, Plato was gay. Plato? <laughs> Mickey Mouse's dog was gay. Aunt Jessica, would you be very offended if I didn't continue this conversation? Mickey Mouse had a gay dog? You didn't know? Oh, First I heard of it. Goofy was his lover. Controversial show when it first came out, yeah. but funny as hell. I think one of the funniest TV comedies ever. One channel, one of the nostalgic channels, do a, a soap marathon where they just run them, run them one right after the other. Okay. I would have to try and find that. I remember one night, it was 1977, right? 1977, I yep. was 10. Oh my God, I was 15. And I was in bed. seven. And my mother woke me up laughing at soap. Yeah. Yeah, yep. she was laughing so hard she woke me up, up the stairs. Yeah, I watched this with my parents. Yeah, yeah we all thought it was hysterical. Was Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Mary yes, Hartman, Mary That was the precursor to soap, actually. Did Mary Hartman come first? Yeah, I came first. I came out in like 75. Why are we having cake? I don't know. Stephen, why are we having cake? I guess we'll never know. <laughs> okay. But what's our, our topic later on? What do you mean? Why am I here? Oh, well, we're getting to that. We're getting that to All relax, right. relax. But, but think about it. Oh! Okay. We'll move on in the meantime. <laughs> I'm going to eat the cake. Eat the you cake. you eat the cake, and we're going to move on to our next segment, then. What day is it? Could you please tell me? What day is it? I'm Yes, it's time for what day is it? It is the day of wine and roses. No. It's the day of peanuts and chocolate. You're half right. 
Oh, no, not according to the National Day calendar site. That's why I found it. Well, no, nothing about chocolate and peanuts, just peanuts. International Day of Chocolate. Well, I have just as the National Peanut Day. I have the International Chocolate. Well, you know, I'm going to challenge you on that because I'm going to go to the site right fucking now. I'm drowning in nerds. National Day calendar. Today, it's National Celiac Disease Awareness Day. Day of the Programmer, Uncle Sam Day, National Peanut Day, Positive Thinking Day, Bold is Beautiful Day, and National Kids Take Over the Kitchen Day. It is not Peanuts and Chocolate Day. The chocolate was separate. The chocolate was Do you see chocolate anywhere on this site? Not on your list, but it was on my list. Well, you're obviously on the wrong list. Well, obviously. (laughs) But yes, today is National Peanut Day. Do you know where peanuts came from originally? Africa. No, South America, over 3,500 years ago. True or false, is the peanut a nut? No, no it's a it's legume. legume. Yes, it is a legume. It's in the same family as peas and beans. Also, unlike other nuts, peanuts grow underground. Nuts grows on trees. And did you know that peanuts provide 8 grams of protein per ounce? And they also contain vitamin E. Vitamin B6, which are both antioxidants, magnesium, iron, and zinc. I go through a jar of peanut butter a week. I believe it. I love peanut butter. Me too. I love my Reese's peanut butter cups. And at least once a week, I have a PB&J sandwich. (laughs) I have honey on mine. I'm not a big honey fan. Mm, Peanut butter and honey on toast. (laughs) Almost as good as a cake. But do you know what early 20th century African-American scientists promoted peanut farming? Yes. Who? It was um, uh, George Wallace Fredrickson. It was Frederick, <laughs> Frederick Wilson Harrison. It was... George Washington Irving? No, he wrote the song. <laughs> Who was it? George Washington Carver. I got two of the three. Irving. He had promoted peanut farming because... In the South, the soil was being depleted by repeated planting of cotton, so he promoted peanut farming and also farming other alternative crops. To keep the soil, like... Uh, Replenished. Uh, consistent, yeah. Okay. Exactly. And he also promoted many peanut-based on, products and recipes. Did, did he figure out that thing? That you had to do that? Or we must have known by then. What? The importance of rotating crops. Well, he was just, he was one of, I'm sure, other people that were promoting that a lot. I'm sure he didn't come up with that on his own. It seems to me that that's a couple of thousand years into known agriculture, no? Yes, but I guess because of the South, cotton was king, you know, for so long. So that's why people kept on planting it. But then after a while, I don't know they weren't getting the same king. harvest. I eat more peanuts than I use cotton. You wear, you use cotton all the time. Look at your clothes right now. Cotton. Cotton. So there. You ever see me eat peanuts? Um, <laughs> can't say I have. <laughs> it's not pretty, but... Pe- peanuts? I do. <laughs> I do. It's one of my favorite things, actually. Nuts. I like all kinds of nuts. We now move on to our next segment, wherein we turn our head and cough. <coughs> Oh, my God, get the man in an oxygen mask. But anyway, good news out now. There are now new, improved vaccines now for the new outbreak of COVID that seems to be sweeping the country oh again. Oh, God. Yeah. 
So I guess we'll check with your local doctors or pharmacies to see where you can get your new vaccine. They're tying it in with the flu shot. That's what I'm saying. Which makes sense. Because we're heading into flu season. It's it's been, this COVID-1 is not considered a booster now. It's considered a yearly. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was going to be that yeah. way. I mean, once so it's going to constantly mutate, just like the yeah. flu. That's exactly right. right. And then somebody will come year. up with a combo vaccination. Yeah. Every year, you just go get your flu dash COVID vaccination. That's the way it's going to work. Yep. At our my age, I won't say our age because I'm so much older than you guys. But at my age, everything I'm on everybody's list. Yeah. You know, so get the R R R S V vaccine and get the COVID vaccine and get the flu shot. Yes, and yes. Get this and get that. You're walking pin cushion. What are your feelings on vaccines? I'm all for them. Okay. I don't mind getting them. Okay. You know, I, I just, I, I don't, I think they scare people a lot with it. You know, you got to get the flu shot. You got to get the flu shot. I've never had a flu shot. But now they're telling me, you know, because I'm going to be 70 and I have to, I should get the flu shot and get the one for the, Whatever kind of pneumonia it is you can catch now, and the RSV, and shingles, and the whole nine yards. They can keep you busy. Well, they keep you alive. Yes, they do. Yeah. We've been getting them since we were babies, you know? We've been getting these shots for everything. So, yeah. Yay, vaccines. A lot of people don't like them. Because a lot of people are ignorant and follow the fear, you know? They listen to the likes of RFK Jr. or whatever. Oh, God. Promotes what a anti-vaccine. He turned oh, out please! To be. What, a, what a moron he is! He's like the Andrew of the Kennedy family. <laughs> <laughs> the Prince Andrew the of the Prince Kennedys. Andrew of the Kennedys. <laughs> he's something, all right. Oof. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment. How about a little round of get the guests? How about that? How about a little game of get the guests? Yes, it's time to play get the guests with John Steele. Well, first, John, I guess we should ask you, since the last time you were here, what's going on with the Long Island Gay Men's Chorus? Oh, well, we just started our six sweet 16 year. Uh, we got the music last Wednesday. Nothing like singing holiday songs. In August. Oh, yeah, working on Christmas music now, right? But uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. And then we're having, uh, we're also organizing our first season's uh, cabaret. Oh, cool. It's going to be big. Calling it miscast. Okay. Cabaret. So in other words, they'll be singing songs of the opposite gender, I would assume. Most of the guys will be singing girl songs, I guess. I I kind of brought up the fact that it just... It's miscast. It doesn't necessarily mean that if you're a guy, you have to sing a girl song. Yeah. Depends on how you spell miss. <laughs> if you're advertising a show that you want... It could be miss... M-I-S-S. M-I-S-S cast. In which case, you know, the boys can do whatever they want. Yeah. Then they probably will. Well, you're, but I, I'm of the fact that it's like, not necessarily a girl song that I would do, but I could do a guy song, like I'm almost 70 years old, do a number from 13. Okay, I you see know. what you're saying. I get yeah. it. I, 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 although I can think of hundreds of women's songs that I would laugh my ass off. I gave him one. 
What, which one? Everybody's doing? Girl from Steel Pier. Everybody, that's a good one. Yeah, right. A, any any of that genre of the Ruth Brown. If I can't sell it, I'll sit down on yeah. it. A whole bunch of that. There's a, there's a, some stuff there, and I, I will probably do one of the numbers. I've been asked to MC it. So. Why not? What if you do? What if you do a female's number as a man? Right. That's why I was going to do a the one of the I was thinking of doing. I've done it before and in drag, but I want to do it as me. Okay. And that's Bertha's number from Pippin. Okay. Time to start living. You Time to start living. As I, my dear. I did it a few years ago at one of our drag things. Yeah, I saw that. And you want to do it just as John the Old Man. Yeah. I think you should. Tie it in with my lead-in about the fact that I'm almost 70 years old and um, part of my stand-up part and then move into that song. Danny, is, is there any... There's some implied sex in that. There has to be. It was Fosse. Yeah. Who staged it, so... Oh, there's a lot of implied sex in in the, for the boys, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, what's next? So, well, is he, uh, he's still, well, still getting the gas. I'm sorry, I'm getting my fingers from the cake. <laughs> and what kind of cake was it? It was red velvet cake. It for was delicious right? red velvet cake. And I understand we had red velvet cake because John is here tonight to discuss his upcoming production of the play Red. Wasn't that clever of me? You, you figured it out, John. Yes. <laughs> Covered the sweet tooth anyway. So, John, tell us about Red. All right. Well, I'll tell you about Red. It's about 90 minutes long, give or take a few minutes. And we're not going to put an intermission in it. It's only five scenes. takes place over a two-year period from 1958 to 1960 in New York City. And it's about the famous painter Mark Rothko. We mentioned a couple of times yes. already. And his assistant, Ken. Does Ken have a last name I never looked No, he's a fictionalized character. Ken? Ken. Yeah, just called Ken. No Nate last name given. Not, not like Barbie, Ken, but Ken. Ken. I tell you what, being played by Teddy. Teddy Plazia. Plazia. Or Plazia. Or Thaddeus. Or whatever. <laughs> how old is he? 25. 25? Yep. Okay, I didn't know how old he was. Yep, he's 25. Is that about the age of the character? Yeah, he's supposed to be a, a college age. And how old was Rothko? That point, I think he's supposed to be in his 50s, maybe? Mid-50s, I think. Yeah. This is before he, obviously, before he commits suicide. But yes. He commits suicide in... 1970. Yeah, so... And how old? I think he was... I think he was, was about 60-something. I don't 66, remember now. that's what I think coming to my head anyway. Slash his wrist and took uh, barbiturates, I believe. Well, this, this is a the, the two-year period where he had taken a job, I guess is what you call it, for... A, a commission. A commission, that's it. A commission to do the Four Seasons restaurant that was being okay. built at the time. Decorated? Yeah. He was supposed to have a display there, the Seacrums Corporation paid him $35,000 to do this mural or whatever it was he wanted to do. And this is what takes place over the course, course of the, the play. play. And unfortunately, you don't, you don't get to see much of the real art, Rothko artwork, but you see the process and how he got to where he made this, this stuff. And it's portrayed, most of his finished work is portrayed behind the audience. Okay. So, so when they're describing stuff, they have to see it and make the audience see it. And yeah, we found out from the production that for any Rothko prints or reproductions that you use in your production, you have to pay a fee to use those reproductions. Yeah. 
So I think we're only using, what, one in the production? One, and it's not really a, a real reproduction, so. Yeah. We're just saying, that's a, that's a Roscoe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, it's a very um, I find it very moving play. It's a great play about the appreciation of art. Yes. And not just painting, but all art. Both the acting of the two characters, their connections and misconnections and stuff like that, it's all very intricate. You get to see them do a base coat of um, one of his pieces of art. Okay. And the, and the, it's choreographed how they paint it. And it just, it's stuff like that that will move the audience. Rothko doesn't shut up. God, is he pontificating. <laughs> he, go, he goes on for days. And Ken has his moments where he gets to shine as well. Yes. So it's been one of the most enjoyable productions I've directed in a very long time. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. I have a good cast, good stage manager, Stephen. Thank you. You, Patrick, Stephen, and the lad. Yeah. Yep. All right, then. Yeah. And we've been fortunate enough to be able to rehearse here. Yes. So we've had, I think, eight rehearsals already, something like that. And they're pretty much off book. I love that. Yeah. They have to be for this. It's just, there's just so they many have to words. Be for every show. Yeah. But what well, I found that for this show, it was actually, this This was like, um, it's a mouthful, Rothko's roles. Huge. Because everything he says is like a page freaking long. He well, never it's a two-hander up. for 90 minutes. But basically, after doing Prospero and The Tempest a few weeks ago, it made this seem easier to learn. You said that last week. You're starting to repeat yourself. Oh, am I? I must be getting old. No, you're not. <laughs> getting? So, what we're doing is a play called Red by... Uh, oh, wait. We talked about Yes. <laughs> I guess I'm getting old, too, then. But I was never. I never was really a big fan of abstract expressionism as an art style. But after doing this play, I've learned to appreciate it more. What's behind it? So personal growth for you. Yes. And still there you are, you leprechaun motherfucker, <laughs> doing all this growing ain't doing you a damn bit of good. Ball drop. Ball Boom. drop. Oh. Boom. What's next? What's next? next? Who's next? Are we moving on to now to our next segment, I well, guess? Do you want to talk more about the show? Yeah, I don't well, uh, We can talk more about the show I if you want. I don't want to give too much away, you know? I mean, there's only two characters, you know? Yes. Case. When does it play? Ah. It opens on September 22nd yes. and plays on the 23rd, the 24th, which is a Sunday matinee. Okay. And then it returns the following Thursday, which is no, September 28th. And we play again on September 29th, and our last show is on September 30th. And all shows at 8 p.m. except for the matinee on Sunday, which, which is, is at, at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. And this is at the South Shore Theater Experience, located on Wellwood Avenue in Lindenhurst, in between the other two theaters on that, what is no. now becoming the Broadway of Suffolk County. Well, let's take a step. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's theater row, maybe. Yeah. yeah. It's the fourth off. <laughs> yeah. I would say it's the fourth off. It's way off Broadway. Yeah. That works. Yes, it does. Off, 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 off. But Baca is more of a, uh, it, Baca itself is a presenting organization. Like, it's not home. They don't produce shows. It's not like it's no, home to anyone. They basically theater. lease their space out to other theater groups. Art exhibits yeah yeah it's it's a it's an exhibition space yeah it's a community center you know pretty yeah that's a yeah 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 yeah, yeah that's it 
So, John, anything else that you learned from this experience? Oh, well. I... <laughs> Okie dokie. Yes, I'm a liar. I have to say... Okie dokie, let's prime the canvas. And of course, at every rehearsal, I can never say it's straight. It's always, okie dokie, let's prime the canvas. <laughs> That's not very be... professional. No, it's not. No, but for the most part, he's okay. <laughs> yes. For the most part. I've learned to appreciate art as well. That, you know, I had no idea who Mark Rothko was before this um, I happened to see a production of it on uh, Great Performances on PBS. Yeah. That's where I first saw the production, and uh, I just I was just engulfed in it. And the nice thing about the rehearsals, I'm supposed to be taking notes and giving them stuff to do, and I get wrapped up in what they're doing on stage, and I don't <laughs> write anything down. And then I try to remember after we take a break, and I'm going, yeah, it worked. So. We're like, what do you mean, no notes? <laughs> no, you, so, sometimes you're just like, and I, I say it all. It doesn't bother me what you did. It's gonna change. Yeah. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do go from a rehearsal room to another set on the stage, but right. it's not our set. Then we're gonna have our set, right. and so it's gonna change. So let it. I, I'm much more comfortable letting as an actor's as, instinct. As long as they know the words, the rest is. You can't direct somebody holding a script. Right. You can't direct a performance. So, so I have. That's to... why I would recommend to anyone who's casting anyone of a male character over the age of fifty uh, consider Patrick Finn. Oh, really? Yes, because he'll dedicate himself to having getting himself off book before anyone else. We had our, our second rehearsal. As, uh, was it the second rehearsal after the read-through? I think it was the second rehearsal after the read-through. That I was blocking the scene, and he was already off book. The only reason he held his book was so he could write the blocking. Then the blocking in, yeah. Oh. Which I can never remember my blocking. <laughs> my lines I know great. My blocking sucks. <laughs> there's, still, there's still a few lines that you're having issues. Yeah, it's a few, a few. But for the most part, I mean... I'm in a very comfortable position as a director at this point. I'm not panicked over what's, yeah, yeah. what's going to happen or what, you know. The biggest thing now is is to be able to actually get the props together because there's no real set to this show. It's a, it's a warehouse. Okay. So it's, you know, bare walls, nothing fancy. There's no fancy furniture or anything. It's all, it's a work area. And so it's perfect it for that space. Mess. It can be a mess. Yeah. You know, I I had asked them to take down all the curtains to show all the stuff that they have in storage and stuff, and they said they couldn't do that. But that's how open I wanted. Yeah, yeah, I get you. And the whole growth of the two characters in that amount of time is, is amazing. See that happen. What's the conflict? The young man's the apprentice, and Rothko tells them right, right, right from the beginning everything he'll be doing he must do. No matter the whim. No matter how demanding or demeaning. Right. And this kid wants the job so bad. Because he's an artist, too. Of course. Painter, he's a painter, too. But that that's part of the, the conflict, is, you know, should I show him my artwork? Can I, you know, what would he think of my artwork? And well, does he show? Oh, have to come see the show. <laughs> well, that's a yes. <laughs> Not necessarily. You'll have to come see the show. You'll have to come see the show. <laughs> 
But Rothko is just so enwrapped in all his artwork that you think that's all there is in his life until this kid comes in and kind of shakes things up a little bit because he's from a different generation. He's the next one coming up after the... Is he hot? Of course he is. Right. <laughs> I'm directing it. Of course he is. Okay. And that's what I'm finding about the show that I like the most is watching these two grow together. I like yelling at Teddy on stage. I know you do. <laughs> and he cowers so well. Yes, he does. He does. I like... don't think he's used to being yelled at like that. <laughs> well, I have to laugh at this. There's nights, of course, where Abigail's around, right? You know. Oh, yeah, she will have the dog at rehearsals. <laughs> and <laughs> Patrick starts his... Tirades, yes. And she's on my lap shaking. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't like when I'm yelling. Nobody likes it when you're yelling. <laughs> I do. I do. I <laughs> Helps with this role. Yeah, yep. it, this is, I don't want to say you were typecast for this, but this is definitely a role for you. Yes, I... It's a, it's a dream role I didn't know I wanted until yeah. I read the script. And then I was like, I fell in love with it. Huh. It's a great part. It really is. Great part for any actor. Not for any actor. It's no. you got to be an experienced actor for this. Sounds like uh, you. Somebody who goes on and on pontificating. Yes, that's, that's Rothko. Unlike me. It's so unlike me. I never go on like that. I'm very quiet about my opinions. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm always waiting for a honey head, right? <laughs> when he turns to Teddy. Oh, honey head. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, our stage manager, Stephen. Yes. Is he coming in to visit with us? I don't know, Stephen. Oh, Stephen. Gladys, give him a second to get up. He's 50. <laughs> Well, he may not hear it, that's why I'm... Well, give him a second, and then... Oh, here he comes. See? What the fuck do you want? <laughs> we were just talking about our upcoming production of Red, which you're stage managing. Yeah. Would you care to add anything about it? You're the biggest fucking pain in my ass in it. <laughs> and why is that? Because there's only two people in the cast. <laughs> well, yeah, really. It couldn't be Teddy. It had to be me. And Teddy's too cute to be yes. in his ass. And Teddy worships me. <laughs> no, because my husband decides he wants to yell at me when I correct him on stage. I don't yell. I was just talking oh, loud. I'll cut your fucking tongue out. <laughs> but Red is coming along very nicely. We had a trip to MoMA to visit the paintings. That Cover, we were, yes. We talked about Cover. earlier. And getting rained on and all Cover, that fun yeah. shit. Yeah. 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 Other than that, I can't wait till the first time you have to fucking paint. That should be a sight to see. Yeah. What do you have to paint? We have to basically lay the ground color on this canvas. So you have to paint that red. <laughs> yes. It's choreographed. I, I understand. And that, the canvas is six, six foot, foot high six and foot. six foot. Yeah, six foot by foot, foot, six foot. Oh, okay. So it's gonna be quite a chore, so and it has to Teddy. look. And they're going to be, you know? Teddy goes under him, he goes over, and then, and then, and then and yeah, 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 yeah. it's like a big circle. But it's and then, painting. I mean, what's this, unless you're trying, unless you're painting in, like, texture and skills and, uh, what's He's a lawyer. A, He's not a painter. You know it's going to wind up dripping all over Teddy's head. I don't know. I already that... told Teddy he's got to wear a hat. <laughs> <laughs> that That's the whole point of that scene, is for both of them to be covered. As much as the canvases. That'll be fun. Yeah, you can you can pay for my laundry bill. 
Oh, that's why you have that's, the coveralls. That's why you have the coveralls. Because <laughs> if it were me, I wouldn't have coveralls. But anyway. But yes, it's going very nicely. It's hard to imagine Rocco with coveralls. <laughs> Probably not. Shut up, we're leaving. But we, don't, but we are not a Broadway production <laughs> where we can afford to wash the clothes for every performance. I understand that. So... So coveralls it is. Anything else you want from me? I can't think of anything. And thank you for the cake, by the way. The cake was lovely. He acted like he didn't know. <laughs> you never said you bought that cake. <laughs> we asked. Where'd the cake come from? Yeah. And Why do we nothing. have cake? And he said nothing. And he said nothing. He just played dumb. And then knew the answer to why the cake was here and why it was the cake it was. Well, that I knew, but I didn't want to spoil that surprise until we got to discussing red. So you knew that. Why did you not know that John bought the red cake? Because I, I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> did I go out? I wasn't going to assume. Did I go out today to a bakery? You may have. When? I don't know, but you, you may were in have. the same house with me. Oh yes, but we're at opposite ends of the house. Oh, my God. <laughs> It gets so loud. You only over. have to do this for two hours a week. Yeah, I do this twenty four seven. I want two weeks in between. <laughs> okay. If Your listeners don't, don't want that. If you I don't, don't want, want it that. to, if you, you save me two hours a week of him. I try to sell that to married <laughs> women about their husband. Listen, I'll only I'll take him off your hand two hours a week. <laughs> You're gonna have him Christmas, Easter, you go, uh, whatever. But just two hours a week. That's all I mean. uh, yeah, evidently what John says was the one before the break and the one immediately after the break. You can hear a difference. Uh huh. Okay. So if you don't want it to get back to ninety again, yeah, but that's kind of the fun part too. <laughs> Well, right now, we're going to take a break because we're splitting this episode in two because next week in we are two. in... two? Yeah. Oh, my Where goodness. have you been? <laughs> because next week we will not be here as we are in Tech Week for Red. So this will be the first half of the episode. So we're going to take a little five-minute break here. Is that okay with all you guys? That's Why? fine with me. Who needs a break? Just make five, sure you reserve four, tickets three. at South Shore Theater Experience for Red, opening on September 22nd. See, that's how you promote a show. 